my wife is beautiful. You know, she doesn't hate me. She has sex with me. You know, look at this, look at that. Look at all the things that I have. What the F are you talking about? Like, you don't know, you don't know me. You don't know anything. And in that moment, you know, you mentioned something about changing and, and, and the pain of it, you know, which is effectively the same phrase. Um, People don't change because of the perception that things are going to be hard. Discomfort is going to be hard. Changing is going to be hard. Even when you know that you're not doing everything that you're supposed to be. And no one, everyone comes to a realization at some point that what they're doing isn't quite exactly what they set out to, isn't the most efficient way, it's costing them too much, whatever it may be. Everyone comes to that realization. Some people come to it earlier than others. You had a very early realization because of some guidance from your dad, right? Which is amazing. But no one will change until their current state of pain exceeds that perception of what the change is going to cost them. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the MOP podcast. I'm going to tell you right now, this may be, in fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to tell you that this is the most fire episode that I have done this year. Now, to anybody who's listening, who's been on this podcast, don't take offense to that. It is because of constant evolution and growth in my life and in the guys that I'm attracting in and that I'm working with and that like me pushing myself maybe my level of awareness and illumination, the things that I'm discovering about me, I'm able to have deeper and deeper and deeper conversations every episode. There's some kind of growth. And I'm telling you, this episode, I even wrote fire episode on my on my notes. This episode was the best of the year, the absolute best of the year. And, and I will only release great episodes. And I'm telling you, this is the best one. So before we get started, let me tell you why you should stay here, why you should invest time, and why you are going to massively benefit from this episode. Okay, my guest, Brian, the guy is, it's like our stories matched. And we were we were introduced by uh, Nick Devlin, a good friend of mine. Brian lives 20 miles from me in LA. And when you listen to this, his story is freaking amazing because most of us are dealing with the same shit. He was dealing with the same shit. And we're gonna talk about a lot. We're gonna talk about regrets, resentment, cul-de-sac lifestyle, being good enough, the marriage, the fatherhood, the health. We're gonna talk about scratching the surface and not going deeper and being okay with that. Obviously that's not a serving thing. We're gonna talk about secret regret that we're all carrying on. We're talking about traumas and past conditioning, past programming, having it all, yet realizing that it's not what you want. It's what other people wanted for you. We're going to talk about money and the relationship and identity around money and the relationship and identity that money creates in you. Compensating, overcompensating, undercompensating, comparison to others. We're going to talk about role models, finding and discovering your purpose and mission. The moment it all changes, that small little moment where you realize I'm not willing to go on any further like this and you start making small changes. Most of you are at that point. Some of you will take advantage of that today and do something about it. I'm a resource. Brian's a resource. This podcast is a resource. Do something about it. It doesn't have to be us. Just asking you to do something about it, right? We're going to be talking about the stories that we tell ourselves to keep ourselves in that cycle, that rat wheel, keeping ourselves in a job we know we hate to fund a life that we don't want just to look good and feel good like we're keeping up just to feel like we're actually there with other people. Understanding and being 
completely at peace with the fact that your process and your journey of your life is your journey and there's nobody else that's on that journey. It's you. We're going to talk about being irreplaceable and being replaceable. We're going to talk about what the difference is between those two and how to get from one side to the other. I'm telling you right now, I, I was like, wow, this is so fucking good. We're talking about bodies breaking down, like effects that you have in the moment may show up five to 10 years later and not realizing the level or the pain or the weight of regret in the moment until it's too late to get that moment back. And we want to shift our mindsets from not thinking like, oh, whatever, in the future, I'll take care of it later. We want to focus our mindset on the now, sitting down with your kids now. And Brian talks about it. If you can't sit down with your kids for more than 15 seconds to play Legos or to you know, play ball with them or to crawl around on a playground, or if you can't you know, run more than 50 feet with them, or you can't ride bikes with them, or you can't take them to do what they want to do, and you truly want to do that, change is needed now because it is a very short time that we get with these kids. Very short time. So disconnecting from pain, like not making your wife your therapist, four stages of learning, time as a context, like your mess becomes your message and finding your purpose and tapping into it, realizing your true potential. Guys, the five second rule from Mel Robbins, how to increase your confidence, focusing on what you value. I'm telling you right now, fucking fire. We're getting right into it. You ready? All right. So let me tell you who Brian Pnutso is. He's a certified nutrition coach who specializes in working with men whose professional success has cost them their health, maybe their marriage, maybe their relationship with family, and, and most likely themselves. He spent 20 years on Wall Street as a bond trader, and everything in his life appeared perfect on the surface. He was making great money, beautiful family, took nuts vacations, lived the life that you'd expect from a husband and a father who was financially successful, right? Sound familiar, guys? But beneath the surface, his life was crumbling, was falling apart. He was overweight, his body was breaking down, his marriage was on the brink of divorce, and he had a casual drug, alcohol, and gambling addiction. That's the guy we're talking to today. Massive success in the, in the work world, completely self-sabotaging in the personal world, and the family is suffering, and the health is suffering. Perfect. One more thing, menonpurpose.net is our website. Everything you need for mental purpose is there. Our masterminds start monthly, sometimes even, sometimes bi-weekly. Um, our private coaching's there. Our retreats are coming up in the beginning of the year. We've got free giveaways. We've got free stuff that we're putting out all the time. Check out our mental purpose community on Facebook. And remember, be on purpose to become irreplaceable. Nobody wants to get replaced, guys. You are here to learn how to become an irreplaceable man. All right? Enjoy. All right, dude. Never had a bonds, a former bonds trader on here. And so what's interesting to anybody that's like, oh, gross, bonds trader. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, I don't know that world. I don't like that world. Um, is it doesn't matter what position you're in. High level achievement creates a ripple effect. And there's a, there's a backing or like a, a fuel for it that we're going to talk about. That's the cool part. It doesn't matter what you actually do. We're talking about the fuel that causes you to keep going when you know you're misaligned, when you know you're feeling resistance every freaking day, and you got to keep showing up. You just keep pushing yourself to show up, and you know it doesn't serve you. That's what we're going to be talking about. So welcome. I, my team always says to me, you got to welcome people. You got you to gotta say thanks for being <clears> here. <throat> so welcome, Brian. 
And thanks for being here. <laughs> I appreciate you having me, man. I thought I was just going to talk about like uh, like Wall like Wall Street the movie stories, you know, like cocaine, lun cocaine lunches and 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 drinking at nine a.m. So, <laughs> dude, if you want to talk about cocaine lunches and drinking at nine a.m., I'm all I'm all for it, man. It will sadly, lead to something fun, I guarantee. Yeah, sad, sadly, so my my wife my wife and I have been married for fifteen years. I was a, we will get into this twenty year Wall Street career, but you know, missed that that version of of life on wall street i was i was about i was about 10 years too late for that and oh, so anytime yeah. we watch a wall street related movie she looks at me and she's like because she still doesn't fully understand what i did for 20 years she's like is that what you used to do and i go <laughs> unfortunately no I, I missed it by a little bit i missed it by a little bit so i did not have that much fun i'm so sorry not, I, it was not that much fun <laughs> i can go back i can get coke and i can go to a i can have 40 dollars martinis for breakfast that's right that's right yeah, man. How did you like walk us back? The guys who and, and women who listen to this, they want to understand that they're not alone, that the pain, the fear, the mm. resistance, the stuff that they're going through, their inability because of lack of skill, knowledge, awareness, illumination, whatever you want to call it, to actually run their, their, their personal life like their professional life. Mm. They are reeling in that and that resistance is building friction and heat and they're feeling it they're feeling that burn so take us back and like where's the story start how did you get into being a bond trader because you don't talk about it like it was miraculous and you retired incredibly happy you that's not what happened right and we're going to get into that later yeah look I, I i look back on my career and have very fond memories and relationships and friendships and skill sets that i would never trade um, I also look back where you just asked that question. Uh, I got into it because I was a 16, 17 year old kid in high school in Bergen County, New Jersey, just outside of New York City. Um, so, you know, the financial capital of the world. I was a basketball player. I was an athlete. I didn't think anything about Wall Street when I was going to college. Uh, I went on a basketball scholarship to St. Michael's College, small school in in uh, just outside of Burlington, Vermont. And the guys on the team were all business and economics majors. And so, you know, what did I do? I chose business and economics as my major. I was a double major. And when you come home in the summer, uh, I was a very good basketball player, very competitive. I was going to go play uh, professionally in Europe. You know, you'd come home and you would work on your game and you would go down to the shore and you would play in summer leagues and you would just constantly, constantly work. But you would also do an internship because that's what everyone else was doing. So what were my guys that were sophomores, juniors, and seniors when I was a freshman doing? They were doing an internship on, you know, on Wall Street in New York City, or mm -hmm. some of the guys who were Boston-based would do it in Boston. And so I got into this rhythm of, okay, I'm a, I'm a part-time basketball player. I'm a part-time, you know, intern in the summer. And my, my major is business and economics. And all my friends who didn't go to Europe to play basketball, which I ended up not doing for other reasons, um, were getting jobs in training programs on Wall Street. And so I, I had this moment in, I'm 44 years old. Um, I've been out of the business for three and change years now. Um, I had this moment late in my career, maybe 17, 18 years into my career. So about five years or so ago where I realized that, um, I had made a decision at 17 years old to become a business and economics major, right. That then shaped the next 23 years of my life and how many of us you know, now, you know, I, I started as a Merrill Lynch financial advisor in their training program, and I shifted over to the institutional side of the business and started to, to work, you know, on, on a trading desk as a trading assistant. And then I moved up to the ranks as a, as a trader. 
but how many of us make a decision early in our lives and then kind of stay in that niche? You know, maybe they're slightly different, um, you know, uh, subsectors within your industry, but yeah. I effectively made a decision at 17 years old that shaped the next 23 years of my life. And at no point when I was a senior in high school, a freshman in college, was I thinking of anything except the next 17 minutes, let alone the next 17 years. And <clears throat> what I did was I uh, achieved some early success, like a lot of people do, and money followed that. And after that, life just, I say, happened to me. Yeah. I got married. I started to have kids. We bought the big house in the suburbs. I got the golf country club membership. We traveled on vacations. We owned, you know, two Audis. We, we, I wasn't a guy making $20 million a year, like some of the people that I knew and worked for. But I also, if you ask me what my budget was, I say, you know, I have absolutely no idea because mm -hmm. I make money. I spend money. I make money. I put some away. I spend money. I put some more away. I do, you know, and I was in this hamster wheel, right? The rat race, as we like to describe it of having financial success, having professional success and creating a life around that. And then in some ways, feeling like I had to keep going in that pressure cooker, in that rat race to subsidize and finance the life that I built around the career. So I was in this cul-de-sac where I just kept going around and around and around and around because I had built this life for myself that I had told myself I wanted, I thought I wanted, um, and I wanted a lot of aspects of it. There were incredible, incredible aspects of it, sure. but not everything, right? There's a cost, there's a cost of us doing business right now. You and I are not doing something else because we're connecting. Yeah. My success, my professional success, my financial success came at a cost. And I woke up, um, you know, about 15 years into my career, I was 20, 30 pounds overweight. My marriage was on the brink of divorce. My body was broken down. I had drug, alcohol, gambling addictions. Uh, you name it. I was a, I was a, a semi-pro in all of it. You know, uh, I, I say I couldn't have a tough Tuesday when I came home from work without having, you know, half a bottle. And once, once the bottle's open, why not finish the bottle of wine? So a bottle of wine, let's be honest on a Tuesday. It only makes sense. Only makes sense. It doesn't taste as good the next day. Right. Oh, no, no. Um, you know, probably a gummy, maybe, maybe hit the one hitter on the way home, you know, probably a Percocet when I got in the door. Wow. Definitely going to need a Xanax or something like that to fall asleep after that cocktail. Of course. Right? So, uh, and, and this is the cycle that I was on and Damn. three to four days a week, I had to be out two to three of those days with customers. Um, I was still a very present dad. You know, I wasn't an all pro dad. I wasn't a hall of fame dad, but I was enough. My, my marriage was good enough. I had enough sex with my wife, not crazy. You know, she was beautiful. My family looked on the surface. It looked like I had it all, bro. I didn't have a white picket fence, but if, you know, I did, that was the, that was the only thing I was missing. I yeah. just sort of checked the boxes. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm six, six. So, you know, carrying an extra 20 or 30 pounds didn't really, I didn't look overweight. I, you know, all my, all my college friends, um, gained 50 pounds. You know, yeah. I didn't gain any weight. I just completely changed body comp, you know? So, um, I just kind of, I told myself this story that all these things that I had in my life, right. That I necessarily didn't want was the cost of me having some success and realized, you know, with, through a lot of work, a lot of work that, uh, I didn't have to have that. I didn't have to have that. I could, I could have it a, a different way. I could have it all. So have it all. Yes. It, it's, it's, uh, I'm just making some notes cause there's so many things that I want to tap into there. You just described 98% of the, the, the guys that come into my world. 
uh, like, as right? mine. <laughs> and yours yes. too. And yours too. And it's like, why the fuck do we get like that? Why, why do we hit that, that cycle knowing we're, right, we're smart. We know that's not serving. We know it's not healthy. We know that's just not going to work out for very long. Yeah. Yeah, we, we and, and by the way, we have the ability, the determination, the discipline, the smarts, the intelligence, the resources to pivot at any point. And I consider guys like you and I and the guys that we coach, I consider us fucking lucky, man. Mm. Really lucky. And, and maybe luck isn't the right word because we consciously moved out of that space and that mindset or maybe grew out of it. Or maybe realize that the pain was just too much and I don't want to face this every day. I'm going to make a change because the pain of the future is not the same as the pain of the, of the present anymore. It's outweighed and I'm going. And I think about so many different things, regret, resentment, good enough, like what it looks like on the surface. I want to get into all that stuff. I want to get into all that. And the first question I have is when you were 17 and you were making this decision for the next 20 years of your life, which most guys are going to be on the edge of their seat right now because they're 40, 45 years old going, damn, that's me. I'm sitting at T row. I'm sitting at, you know, this accounting firm. I'm sitting at, you know, this law firm. I'm whatever. I've been a real estate agent for 20 freaking years and whatever it is, whatever your profession is, what was it at 17 years old that drove you to something that technically like, were you really interested in it or was it just like, oh, that looks like I'm supposed to do that. Okay. See you later. It appeared cool. Right. Like, you know, yeah. we joke, we joke about the movies and the lunches and all that stuff. I mean, while, while even at, at a younger age, I'm not sure I would have gone, you know, that aggressive. Um, right. certainly pretty, pretty cool. Let me go to lunch. Let me have some drinks. Let me make a shit ton of money. Let me go out. Let me yeah. meet me chicks. Let me have nice cars, nice things. I wasn't driven by the material side of it per se. Uh, and I didn't have this like, yearning to be this massively successful, you know, corporate citizen. I just did what other people were doing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was the path that I was supposed to be on because guys that I look up to looked up to were on it. I had this, I had this mirror, you know, that I looked at every day at the office. And so, you know, I mentioned I'm a, I'm a tall guy, right? I'm six, six, I played basketball. So, you know, I don't know if you watch M the NBA at all or you know, NBA and TNT, right? Kenny, uh, like Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and Shaq. Shaq's in pretty good shape, but yeah. Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith, Toast. when they get up out of the chair, it looks like they might fall down. Kenny Smith's right. knees are like cave, caving in. Yep. Charles Barkley is, you know, overweight. Anyway, I, I love the guys. I love the show, but like that type of mentality of like broken down athlete is the picture that I had for myself. And then every single day for 12 to 14 hours a day um, in my mid 20s, when I looked across the room, there were guys in their early to mid forties, maybe, maybe late forties, early fifties, whatever. They were making two, five, 10, even more million dollars a year. They were out three to four nights a week. They were mm -hmm. overweight. They got out of the chair and they limped their first 10 steps. They complained about their back. They bitched about their wife. If they were still married, yeah. they might've been divorced. They might've been on the brink of divorce, or they might've been avoiding it. So they didn't have to write a check for 20 million bucks to their wife and half their net worth. That was my mirror. Now that's not an excuse, but at a young age, that's what I'm looking at and going, that's success. That's success. Mm -hmm. So at 17, you know, I was really just following guys who were 19 who I looked up to on the basketball team and told me what to do. They told me what classes to take. They told me what classes to avoid. They told me everything. I'm thinking more in my earlier or, or mid twenties when you, when you have these role models in front of you 
and looking and judging their success. And it was a completely, you know, uh, the, per the perception of what that was. I didn't understand what they were going home to. I didn't know what they were thinking and living with inside their body. I say to the guys I work with all the time now, you know, nobody else has to live with your body. Nobody else has to live in your marriage. Nobody else has to have, you know, your addictions. I can go and have two beers with you and, and go home to my family. Those two beers might be the the window opening to you having a really really bad night for yourself you know yeah, so yeah. so nobody your 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 situation is completely completely unique and and um you know i was just i was just looking at to what i perceived to be success and then trying to replicate it so i mean i guess i was ignorant i was naive and i had ultimately shitty role models <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm so sorry to interrupt the episode. I just need one minute to share with you all the new and exciting, amazing stuff we've got created here at Men on Purpose. First of all, thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting the movement we're creating for all the men of the world. Next, you've got to check out our new website, menonpurpose.net, where you'll find all kinds of cool stuff, including links to our podcast and the free Men on Purpose community. You're also going to find our new free purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook and links to all of our new coaching programs and products. Look, I've had so many of you ask me where to get started with your personal growth journey or where you can go to level up. So I put this thing together, this free ebook and mini course, and we're going to be talking about and coaching you through a really light version of our purpose-driven formula, which is our foundational formula. And for those of you who are ready now, we got you. Listen up, whether it's becoming the best husband, being the best dad, quitting that job that doesn't serve you, or just understanding how to put you first, we've got what you need to align with your authentic self and find that true fulfillment and live a life with no regrets. Look, we're helping men with structure, support, and sustainability. That's what you've asked for, and that's what we deliver. As we lead you through proven and tested curriculum that focuses on formulas to help you get farther faster. So make sure you go to menonpurpose.net, click the button to download our free, powerful, purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook. And while you're there, make sure you check out some of our amazing products designed to help you find your purpose, stop self-sabotage, and dial in your mindset, skills, and habits to evolve into the best version of you. Why? because we want you to live and have the best life possible. No regrets. So mentalpurpose.net, let's get back to the episode. It's an interesting point you bring up. Role models, I remember the first day when I started in real estate exactly 10 years ago as a real estate salesperson, 10 years in one month, uh, September, 2012. I remember walking into the office. I was there at 7 a.m. Like I just, I'd come from, you know, eight years of my dad's business where it was hustle, 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 hustle. And, um, and I remember like seeing these guys, well, first of all, no one was at the office at 7am. So I immediately knew I could outwork people. And that mindset, by the way, isn't that, isn't that good. It's not that good. It's only, it only lasts for so long. It gets the plane down the runway. It will not continue to, to a destination. And, um, I remember at 9am, all the old guys, by the way, old guys, if you still know me and you're listening to this, you were old then, you're old now, relax. <laughs> you were old. I was 29. These guys were in their 70s, right? And I remember there's like four of them upstairs in this office that I was in, and they were all kicked back, feet up on their chair or on their desk, reading magazines. And I looked at that and they're 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 all out of shape. They, they're all like just trying to hold on to some like resemblance of a sports car. They're trying, they're trying so hard. And I, and I was like, I wonder, I wonder why they're always complaining. And they were constantly complaining, constantly. And I remember somebody said to me, 
those are the guys you want to stick with. Those are the guys that can teach you. And I looked at her and I said, I don't follow people based on what they have or don't have. I follow people based on who they are. That's mm-hmm. what my dad always taught me. Like, don't, don't look at the guy with the Lambo and say, man, I want to have that. I want to be like that guy. Cause that guy may be a complete asshole. So you don't want to be that guy. You just want that car because you think it makes you look good or that guy look good. So anyway, I remember talking to these guys and they said to me, yeah, it's going to be about nine or 10 months before you, uh, you know, before you get any sales. So buckle up kid. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of time. I need sales now. And they were like wrong business. And I remember at that moment, there was a, I think Zig Ziglar called it a SNIOP, susceptible to the negative influences of other people. Mm. And I remember in that moment, I said to myself, this is a SNIOP moment. And if you take this and you listen to that, these guys are going to bury you like they're burying themselves. They don't have 29. Wow. You couldn't tell me a damn thing at 29. Dude, you know what? When I... I used to tell that story too, that I couldn't, I wouldn't follow anybody's book. Like my dad's though, my dad's advice, I followed, maybe I didn't follow at all. And maybe I was, I'm super high risk, you know, like risk tolerance. So I was making big decisions, big risks, big failures. Mm. And I remember in that moment, I thought you got a decision right now. This is, this is the first day, dude. And your house is in foreclosure. You got to get this right. Mm. And so I, like the defiant person in me looked at these guys and said, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to have what they have. I don't want the life that they have. Fuck you. Watch me. Like that was my mindset. And that day I hit grind mode, which, you know, grind mode, grind mode is whatever time you have left over after you do the thing that makes you feel safe. Great. And if not, stop complaining because I'm providing for you. Okay, yeah. I'll take care of the bills, right? And I just, I, I was thinking about that the other day. There, there, there was a, a pivotal moment where those guys could have influenced me. Now, it's not that others didn't influence me. It's that those guys that you describe, those guys, it's almost like a deal with the devil, dude. You know when people say that? Like you made a deal with the devil, like actors? Yeah. It's almost like a deal with the devil. Like, hey, I'm going to give you five mil a year and you're going to want for nothing. Yet you are going to die at 63 years old and your kids won't have a relationship with you and your wife's going to divorce you and the second wife's going to pretty much just suck you dry for your money. And, and yet you'll have five mil, 500K a month. It makes you really freaking happy. And yeah. then that, that story passes along. And there's a great movie. Have you ever seen a movie called A Good Year with Russell Crowe? No. There's a, is a, it's a fantastic movie for exactly what we're talking about. Bonds Trader. Big bond trader in London. Okay, I'll check it out. I'm not spoiling. Yeah, yeah. No, like what you're saying makes a ton of sense. I think, you know, thinking about this now in the having the uh, benefit of hindsight, right? Which is always 2020. Totally. In in that scenario that you're painting, all of the terms aren't laid out in front of you when the contract is is presented to you. What's really just presented to you, and what's really assumed or seen, at least from my perspective and guys that I know and that I've worked with and that I've, you know, I've, I've gotten to know is you don't figure out some of those clauses, right? Yeah. Contract until 10 years down the line, 15 yeah. years down the line. What do you mean? My wife's going to hate me. What do you mean? I'm going to maybe 
get divorced and and have to get married again what do you mean i'm not going to be able to just like you know drink casually and it's going to turn into an addiction mm -hmm. what do you mean i'm going to go from betting a thursday night you know game or a game on sunday to betting the entire board <clears throat> on saturday and sunday and having it taking away time from my family no one really <clears throat> you know knows that you you mentioned that 20 like or, or i was like wow 29 years old i mean at 29 years old my income was beginning to double every single year for a year or two prior to that maybe even two or three years prior to that and i had this trajectory in my head of like well at 40 i'm gonna be fucking done you know right newsflash it's 44 i'm still working <laughs> um but so the thing is is i had evidence to suggest that what i was doing was working and so that's why i say and i said in the beginning you know, in terms of like the ego, you couldn't have told me in my late twenties, early to mid thirties that I needed to change. Hey man, I know you're drinking and smoking and, and doing this and gambling like, but it's really not the best idea for you. I yeah. would have been like, look at my house. Look at yeah. my W2 last year. My wife is beautiful. You know, she doesn't hate me. She has sex with me. You know, look at this, look at that. Look at all the things that I have. What the F are you talking about? Like, right. you don't know, you don't know me, you don't know anything. And in that moment, you know, you mentioned something about changing and, and, and the pain of it, you know, which is effectively the same phrase. Um, people don't change because of the perception that things are going to be hard. Discomfort is going to be hard. Changing is going to be hard. Even when you know that you're not doing everything that you're supposed to be. And no one, everyone comes to a realization at some point that what they're doing isn't quite exactly what they set out to isn't the most efficient way it's costing them too much whatever it may be everyone comes to that real realization some people come to it earlier than others you had a very early realization because of some guidance from your dad right which is amazing but no one will change until their current state of pain exceeds that perception of what the change is going to cost them that discomfort that pain so my state of pain in my late 20s and early 30s of hungover mornings and low energy and not looking as great as I could have and maybe, you know, not getting laid, you know, a couple extra days a week or something like that. It wasn't great enough until my mid to late 30s when my wife came to me and said, I'm not so sure about this. I don't know if this is for me. You know, I'm going to hang out for a while because we have a five-year-old and a six-month-old, but like, this isn't what I signed up for. Hmm. In that moment, with a few other things, my mom had just passed away. I realized that I couldn't play with my son on the ground because my knees were too jacked up. My body was physically broken down. That state of pain for me was great enough to push me into action. And so I'm going all over the place a little no, bit. No, you're here. good. I follow yeah. you. But, you know, to, to me, I don't think that like, you know, if I was presented with the contract at 26 years old and go, here are the terms, right? Yeah. A lot of money, great life, you know, a little bit of fame, whatever. But, but here's the list of things that it's going to cost you. Maybe it would have been different for me, but you know, it, just, it wouldn't have though. Probably not. Have. But I'm just saying, you know, maybe yeah. I would have been able to analyze. Hey, I don't know. Is this really going to be worth it? You know, at 40 years old. Um, but what happens is, is, is we kind of get thrust into the positives of, yeah. you know, the the all the things that I that that were a lot of the things that became negatives for me. The being out, the partying, the pressure at 26, 27, that was a positive. Like it completely flipped on me. It put me in a high pressure. I'm an athlete. I'm an alpha male. I'm a guy from Jersey. Uh, like, you know, give, give me, give, give me this stuff. Like put me in that situation on a daily basis. Then let me go out at night. Then yeah. pay me a lot of money to do it. Like I can go to Knicks games. I can go to like, I can sit, yeah. for, you know, we can sit like on the floor, like of the garden. Like we can do this cool stuff. Like 
shit, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. We can go on cool, cool golf trips, client trips, like I'm in. So, you know, I think a lot of this stuff ultimately comes to the surface, you know, after a number of years, and then you fall into this, you know, we, which we can get into this belief, this story that you tell yourself of, well, shit. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm making a lot of money. How the hell am I going to get out of this? How am I going right. to get out of this trade? Right. How the hell I put this trade on 15 years ago. How am I going to unwind it? I got a family. I got a big ass mortgage. I might have two mortgages. I got cars. I got country clubs. I got CapEx every month. You, have you seen my credit card bill? Right. <laughs> I know what yours looks like because I know what mine looks like. Right. So, and how am I going to do this? And so the easiest thing for us to do is to just go right back to at least something that we know creates success in our life, which is usually our career. And we double and triple down on the shit that is working, but causing a lot of other issues at the expense of trying to just go fix the root fucking problem. We were connected for just this beautiful universal reason because this weekend I was at a uh, function at my daughter's school this past weekend. <clears throat> and a couple of the guys and I were talking about, first of all, what I said to my wife on the way over was, I don't like this shit. I'm not that social. I don't want to do this. I don't want to like pretend like I like people's stories. And she goes, well, why don't you talk about the things that you know other men are experiencing? Because that's your job. That's your profession. Mm. That's your purpose. That's your mission. And I said, uh, you know what? You're right. And we got into this conversation about money, money being the sugar coating candy shell on a pile of shit. So if you're living in a trailer in, you know, bumfuck Baltimore, where I'm from and, or New Jersey, right? And you don't have any money to cover up the shit. You look at the shit every day. Your marriage is fully exposed. Your Facebook profile probably doesn't look that good. Your picture's not that great. You're not taking golf trips and spending 20 grand going to freaking Europe twice a year, whatever, three times a year. And, um, and there's this interesting formula that, that like just keeps cycling and faster and faster. And this is what you were talking about is that the money holds off the need to deal with the shit until mm -hmm. this thing happens, right? This thing that, that you said, you know, my wife came to me, same thing with my wife. Hey, this isn't what I signed up for. Right. She said that to me once before, by the way, which was, I didn't sign up for this. And I said, didn't sign up for what? This is when I wanted to get a job stocking bananas at a grocery store after I left my dad's business. And I just didn't have a, I didn't have a, I didn't have faith in myself at that moment. Didn't have the confidence. And, um, and she said, I didn't sign up. I didn't sign up for this. And I said, what didn't you sign up for? And she goes, I didn't marry a loser. And so well, stocking bananas doesn't make you a loser. He goes, oh, dude, it chokes me up thinking about this. She goes, a guy that gives up on his dreams does. Mm. And it fucking stabbed Ooh. me. And yeah. bro, that fuel motivated me to get that license and start selling hard and making a lot of money. I got back into that cycle though. The money made things better. It yeah. covered the shit pile in this beautiful candy shell. And every other month I changed the color of the candy shell. So everything yeah. was fine. It's another purse. It's another car. It's another trip. It's another this. It's a, I'm paying for, I'm paying for everything. I'm providing. What else do you want me to do? I got to be out three nights a week. I've got to go out and entertain clients. I, same thing you're talking about, Brian. Like I've got to go do that. I want to get your take on, on that theory that money helps you elongate and cover up and, and avoid the shit you really have to deal with. Like it, the spotlight's not on it when you've got money to buffer 
between sure. what you know you need to do and what you're actually doing, right? The results you have and the results that you want. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think you know, there's saying there's all sorts of personal development sayings like good, good enough, good is the enemy of great, and so yes. my life was good. My life was good enough. You know, I didn't really know that it could be great. I didn't know that you could do different things. All of us are going to have so. You know, I kept thinking of the word of the word root cause, you know, term root root causes every, you know, when you were talking and, you know, over the last, you know, couple of years of our society, I think it's highlighted um, the need to address root causes in all different things. I mean, look at our healthcare system, look at, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a men's coach, but a lot of it is re revolves around health and wellness and nutrition and fitness coaching. Yeah. All right. And so we live in a culture that just slaps band-aids on whatever problem that we're experiencing right you have you get one drug prescribed for one issue and then you need another drug to combat the side effects of the drug that you're taking for that issue and then that one causes a couple side effects and you have this this drug next thing you know you have this diversified portfolio of of prescriptions yeah. to deal yeah. with one one or two or three problems instead of maybe just going well okay well, well what's your lifestyle like why do you maybe have those problems you know what are you doing on a daily basis that contributes and, and potentially causes those problems and can we address the root cause can we go cut out the cancer instead of just giving it drugs and so <clears throat> i think all of us we don't ever want to deal with what's going on in our lives uh, because that's hard it's really, really hard. Sure. And so we cover it up with um, more of this, more of that, more work, uh, sedate with, you know, gambling, drugs, um, alcohol. We disconnect. You know, I was a champion disconnector. I would just go off on my own. I, I was totally comfortable just being in another room, not around my family and my mom who was, um, you know, getting sick and dying. Like I found myself one day and my wife still tells a story because it's like kind of absurd, but it, but it really does paint a picture of like what I was comfortable doing. I didn't want to be around my, my mom when she was, you know, when she was dying. And so I would just go find stuff to do around the house. So yeah. my parents would come over, we lived in New Jersey. They lived, they lived five minutes away. They'd come over on Sunday, like tr traditional Italian Sunday, you know, get together dinner. And like, next thing you know, my wife comes upstairs, a big house, Comes, you should, you know, no one can find me. Comes upstairs. I'm cutting my hair. I don't have, I don't have much hair, so it's pretty easy <laughs> to cut, right? I'm cutting my hair. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I just wanted to cut my hair real quick." She's like, "Your fucking parents are here. Like, they're not my parents. Yours. Your parents are here. <laughs> like, and oh, by the way, your mom's not well, and so you should probably spend time with her. You know, like, and I didn't like think that, like, let me leave the living room and go upstairs and cut my. Like, I just wanted, just I just automatic. wanted to disconnect from any pain." that I was experiencing. And so my, my, I, I, I sensed some sort of pain, some sort of discomfort, and I immediately ran away from it. And I was really good at that, you know, especially men, alpha guys, high pressure, competitive environments. You know, there's this notion of like, the locker room is a great place for people to hold each other accountable, to motivate and to be, you know, yourselves, which is great, which I experienced sure. in sports and I experienced in my professional career. But in a lot of those environments, it's not cool to share what's really bothering you. It's not cool to share what's really going on. And so what do we do as men? We take those feelings, those emotions, those thoughts, and we crumple them up into a nice tight ball and we jam it as far down as we possibly can, right? So we, we check our, our feelings and emotions at the door 
and we go to we go to work, quote unquote, whether it be yeah. our jobs, whether it be you know as an athlete, whatever, we go to work, and we don't have places uh, as an outlet to go share those things. We don't have places to talk about it. We don't have places to tell people, tell someone that we're struggling, and we assume that our problems are unique. And I'm sure you know this. Most of your clients have pretty much the same damn problems, yeah. you know, yeah. slightly yeah. different versions, slightly individualized problems, but we're all dealing with the same shit. And I've been in rooms with guys who are very competitive, high performers, alpha males, super successful. And you just watch each one of them sort of crumble around this notion that like, they're not the only ones with these issues in their lives. And it's yes. like this relief of like, wow, you, you deal with this too you have this problem too. I thought I was the only one, you know? And so we suffer in silence and we feel like we need to put the weight of the world on our shoulders and live this like life of quiet desperation. When if we just found some, I'm not, now I'm not talking about getting on your Instagram story and telling people right. about every issue you have every single day. There's a fine line between, you know, vulnerability, which a lot of people, you know, are into now and and actually just finding someone to vet some things through. You shouldn't run home and tell your wife every single fucking problem that you're having right now. You yeah. should have someone to go vet that to. Hey, well, I was thinking about talking to my wife about this. Like, man, eh, I don't know. Maybe that's not the right time to do that. You know, um, maybe you work on yourself a little bit first, you know, so having places to go, I don't know why I really got on this, uh, on this topic, but having, no, places I, pr to I go, appreciate, I, I appreciate your ADD too, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. I think, you know, going back to like, you know, what, what you originally asked me, um, at no point did I, did I have this picture in front of me of like, I'm going to choose that. Yeah. Like I didn't go to the store and choose this life. I chose w one tiny section of it, yeah, you it know, unraveled. this looks pretty good. And it unravels yeah. after that. And then it's like, well, can I even stop it? Can I stop this from happening? Or is this just you know, what I signed up for. A lot of people feel like the life that they have is the life that they signed up for and can't do anything about. And yeah. I don't believe that to be true. Well, you and I are proof of that. We're totally proof of that. It's, I mean, think about it. Like, you know, five years ago, I'm a real estate agent. And yes, I was coaching people. Um, I just didn't have the confidence or courage <clears throat> to actually make it a full-time gig. And, uh, and, five years ago, you were a bonds trader. Like it's a very different life. And it's, it's a herd mentality. We follow the herd, right? Same thing you did. Same thing I was, I was starting to do following the herd. It becomes an identity and we want to run from pain. The money becomes that, uh, uh, enablement enabler, right? And then the cycle continues. There's so many things I want to ask you in that story that you were telling about disconnection and you're like, don't go to your wife for everything. Don't share everything with your wife. Be responsible with it. The, the thing we tell people in, in our masterminds and in our retreats is your responsibility is to bandage your own wounds. Do not mm. show up on the Facebook, the private Facebook group and just spill shit. Don't bleed out all over people. Get your own wound bandage, figure your shit out and go, hey, this is how it showed up for me. This is how I worked through it. Now I need help with X. That's your job. That's a habit. That's a beautiful habit to form. Yeah. And the thing that I think about is, dude, there's so, there's so many, there's so many freaking things that I, I, I want to ask you. I think the one that really comes up for me is regret and resentment. 
And I feel that I feel that sometimes when I know for a fact that I did not want to get into real estate sales. I did not want to. It was the money that was my identity from what I had built in my 20s, making a ton of money with my dad's business, like running all over the world, selling shipping and, and loving life. And, and yeah, dude, I was 200 pounds and I'm 170 right now, like in shape, 170. So 30 pounds overweight to a 5'11 frame is a lot. Yeah. And, and I was, anything you could imagine to disconnect and to cope and to avoid, I did. Relationships took a backseat to business, everything, holidays, and I built these shitty habits. And I knew that getting into real estate, I can make a shit ton of money quickly hmm. because I could sell aggressively. And that's why I got into it. Like, that's it. And I wish, and, and honestly, I'm, I'm dealing with this with my coaches and my therapists, like the regret that I have of, the, of my 30s. Granted, look, yes, I learned a ton. And yes, I... I feel amazing. And yes, in, the, in my 30s, I, I built a business with my wife and I got married and I, uh, we had two kids and we moved, you know, changed coasts and we built a house together and we built a lot of houses together and we flipped houses together. Yes, all those things are amazing. And I also regret who I was and the decisions that I was making. And I'm dealing with that now. Yeah. You deal with that. Are you dealing with resentment and regret? <laughs> 20 minutes ago, uh, <laughs> 20 minutes from now. Uh, yeah, man, of course. Of course. Yeah. I don't think you're human if you're not. I, mean, I guess the question I, you know, I ask a lot of guys and I've had asked to me, and I guess I would ask you is, do you love yeah. your life right now? Do you love, love what you're doing right, right now. now? Yeah. Dude, I was, I was taking coaching calls from freaking Taranea yesterday. Yeah. I mean, would I you... looked, I looked around and I'm like, I created this life. Look yeah. at you, man. Look at and you. So, so the question would become, um, would you been would you be capable of, of creating what you have right now, having what you have right now, being able to do what you do, teach what you teach, impact who you impact no. without your experiences? No. And that's the, that's the hardest, most yeah. challenging part to deal with is that I'm aware of all that. Yet yeah. there's this little sliver of that, that wiring of the brain that goes, would have been cool to spend your thirties with uh, this type of awareness. Yeah, would of course. Been cool to, you know, and, and yeah, it's not, it's not reality yet. It yeah. still pops up and it's still something that I'm not going to avoid. I have to deal with it because it keeps popping up. Yeah. How I deal with it is, um, you know, obviously I realized that I was, I didn't, I was not perfect and not even close, made a ton yeah. of mistakes. Um, I was operating at the time it, doing the best based on my level of consciousness. Now that's a little airy fairy for a New Jersey guy, East coast guys to talk about, but but reality, I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, there's four stages of learning. There's unconscious incompetence. There's uh, conscious incompetence. So unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know you're a moron, right? Then someone comes along and tells you, AKA our wives, um, that we're not doing it right. And that's conscious incompetence. You're, you, you know, but you're still screwing up. There's conscious competence. You're doing things better. You're doing things right, but you got to really try. And then there's unconscious competence. And so that stage takes a long period of time. I didn't know some things that I didn't know. Like I mentioned, my mirror was that guy in his mid forties who was near divorce, who was, you know, basically who I was becoming into my, into my, my mid thirties. So yeah. on some unconscious level, I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do. And so, um, 
I know now that there is, there are so many amazing coaches out there. Um, but for the person that I coach, the, the, my type of guy, there's nobody better than me. I believe that because of all the things I've been through. And I wouldn't be capable of serving the people that I serve if I didn't go through the things that I went through. And so it's a little flip of the script for me to be able to say, okay, um, could I have done better? Should I have done better? Would my life, you know, not be so fucking complicated if I had done a little better? Yeah. Maybe yes to all those things. But is it, does it perfectly position me to help the person that I am looking to help right now? 100%. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. And I'm still dealing with this thing that keeps popping up. Yeah. Well, let me know when you fix it. Cause then you can go hire you. You can fix it for me. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I, and, and, and my wife, I think reminds me of that daily, if not hourly, like the men who count on you today, they are counting on you because of what you've gone through. Not what you read in a book. That's a fake coach. That's an inauthentic coach. That's a guy who wants to just get out of his job. And he's like, I'll be a coach. It's like a real estate agent. Uh, I hate my job. I'm gonna get my real estate license. It's, it, coaching is one of those type of businesses where you can just Barrier to entry is very low. Yeah. Hang up some shingle that, from some course you took. Yet, kind of like in the beginning, what we were talking about modeling, that modeling is, is after what people have, uh, what, what, who people are, not, not what they've done. Or maybe it's what they've done afterward or what they've achieved after who they are as human beings. Yeah. I know for a fact that the trust and confidence that my clients have in me is because of the shit that I've been through. And I think my thought process is really based on this context of time, right? The context of time being finite and not focusing enough on the present moment. And that's the shit in this, in this like today, that's the shit that I was processing. And I'm, I'm saying that because I want people to know you and I are not having a conversation from a high pedestal. We're having a conversation from a shit ton of experiences behind us. The pedestal is, is not high. It's just far out. Right. And, and, um, and it's farther like on the road of, you know, life and experiences. So that's the stuff that comes up for me is, is, is this weird fucking, you know, finite time. Like, Oh, now you're 40 and you're going to, and Oh, you know what, dude, look, your thirties are gone. Your twenties are gone. You've been 20 years from college you know, or, and, and you're, um, and you're in 10 years, they're going to go like that. Your kids are going to be older. You're not going to have the same relationships. And granted that motivates me to do stuff now, right? That, that is a massive motivator for me to do it now. What serves me most now, now, now. And it's still, it's still like a little haunting. It's a little yeah. Haunting. Look, I, it, there's, there's a lot here that you said that I love um, in terms of time. If you have kids, you you can you can condense this real quickly for yourself. Yeah. Right. Do you remember when they were born? Do you remember when they were in diapers? Do you remember yeah. when they did this? Did that? My son just turned thirteen last yeah. month. I got like four more summers with him. Five, maybe five. I'm doing yeah. this. Whatever it is, four or five. It's not enough. Scary. I got five more. Su- Let's just go with five because that's more. Yeah. I got five more summers with him before he is effectively gone and out of the house. And now he'll come back there in college, I would imagine if he goes to college, but I got five more freaking summers with him. And I think the stat, the stats are mind blowing. Uh, 80, about 80% of your one-on-one time with your kid is over after they turn 18. 
So in five more years, I will have spent 80% of the one-on-one time that I will ever spend with my son in his life, in his life. He was just born. Like, I, don't, I know I'm not, I don't even, my wife, and I know. I like we have a fucking 13 year old son. How is this even possible? I know. And so, you know, um, I think that I use that as a motivator, like Me too. The, to right now has, we have to do this right now. We have, yep. this has to get done right now. And so, um, <clears throat> just circling back to like, you know, motivation and, and why I do what I do and, yeah. and regret. And, you know, I think like there's this, there's this powerful thought process of like your mess becomes your message, you know, and, and why a lot of things that maybe you say to your audience and your clients and what I say to my audience and my clients resonates is because, you know, no one's lived it better than you. No one's lived it better than me. I mean, you can't possibly come from a more authentic place than talking about the things that you struggled with. Cause like no one can tell me that I didn't experience this stuff. No one can tell me that these weren't the thoughts and the feelings uh, going through my head. No one can, can um, debate the actions that I took or didn't, didn't take. So, you know, your people always trying to find like, well, what do I do if I don't do this? This is just so material. You know, I want a purpose. I'll find my purpose. I mean, you don't just find it. You're not walking down the street and go up oh, there. It looks like some there purpose over there. Let me grab it. You know, yeah. um, it's not found. It's forged. It's forged over time. And what is required typically when you're carving that out out of stone uh, is to go through some periods of regret and to go through some periods of time where you go, man, I didn't exactly do that the way I intended to, or looking back, I didn't have the consciousness at the time to know that there was a better way. And so that's why, you know, getting people in your life, like, you know, we are for men, uh, and like we have in our lives. I mean, you know, you mentioned, you know, something about, uh, band-aiding your own problems, right? Like, one of my coaches, you know, he always says to me, step number one to get out of the hole that you're in is to stop digging. Like put the fucking right. shovel down, dude. It makes so put, much sense. Bro, put the shovel down and then we'll figure out, you know, what rock you can grab onto and what little spot in the dirt you can stick a foot to start to climb up. And oh, right. by the way, I'm here, you know, with a with an arm down when you get high enough to start to pull you up, but you got to put the shovel down. Because if you never stop digging, the hole's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So as we wrap, I really want to get into that purpose piece. There's so many men out there that are choosing to be stuck. Let's use correct language here. They are choosing to be stuck in that wheel that we're talking about. Thank you for, thank you for for coaching me up there. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Oh, I'm co- I was, that was for me and the audience. It was, for you. it was for me and the audience. Um, there are guys that are choosing to be stuck in that wheel that we talked about, right? The hamster wheel. And, and they just don't understand, but dude, the mortgage, the second house, I just bought two new cars, the credit card bills, like all the shit you listed. Do you know my country club membership is, Do you know how much fucking food my wife buys every month? And they, and that's justified, right? Which is more of that digging. Yet something happened for us and it wasn't our wives just saying to us, mm-hmm. Hey, you got to change or I'm going to leave. That was a monumental day for both of us. I, I want to know from you, what was that trigger? And when did you know it, by the way, it may not have pulled the trigger right away. What, what was that moment when you're like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Like, yeah. or where, you know, really what, what was the moment when you started to ask yourself, 
like I used to ask myself when I was putting on a tie and a, and a shitty suit, is this it? Is this really my life? This is it? This is yeah. all I've got? Like, I, I'm this money buys these things, yet I'm just trapped in this fucking cycle? And that was the beginning, 2013. That's when I started teaching people things that I started learning in coaching and, or in seminars. So I started my coaching then. And I realized over time that I loved helping people and coaching and empowering people more than I love selling fucking houses and collecting big checks. And it was the moment that I disconnected my identity with the money that my life changed. What was that moment for you? Yeah, I look back and I, it was a series of moments for me over the course of time. And there was times where I was completely blind to it. Um, and there were others that, you know, became pretty obvious for me during that stretch of uh, my mom being sick and, and, you know, my wife sort of delivering that message to me. I had another moment where my son, I, I just alluded to this earlier, my son was five at the time and, and he asked me, he was really into Legos, which you know, any dad knows is an absolute uh, pain chamber when your kid brings you the box of Legos that's 700 pieces and goes, dad, put this <laughs> together for me. And then they come back 45 seconds later, dad, is it done? And then another, play with it. yeah. And, and another, you know, four days later, when you finally finish it, you hand them the finished product in 30 seconds, it's broken. The wings fucking gone yeah. off the plane. Yep. <laughs> so, and then you, and then you, and then you spend the next two weeks stepping on random Lego pieces and almost dying because of the pain. Um, sorry, I just had PTSD there. Uh, he was it, at man. the point, he was at the point where he was starting to do it on his own, you know, at about five years old, he was starting to put it together on his own, but he still needed some help. So he called me over and he asked me to help him and he was down, he was on the, on the carpet in the living room. And so he was on the floor and I went to get down on the floor and like, I couldn't spend more than like 10 or 15 seconds in this position <laughs> on my knees and shins with my butt on my heels. Like oh, my yeah. knees were too much pain, dude, way too much pain. I couldn't sit Indian style. Cause my, you know, I have hip restrictions in both hips all jacked up, like super, super uncomfortable. The bottom line short story is I could not get on the ground and connect with my son at a level that I desired. And that in that moment, I was like, wow, this is caught, you know, my body being broken down, this story that I told myself about what I needed, you know, my body not being able to do certain things. And that's okay. Because, you know, because I'm an ex athlete, because I have an hour commute each way, because I sit in a chair, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day, because nobody does any, you know, physical activity at the office, that's too weird. You know, um, this is what it's costing me. It's costing me this moment right now. And then I thought back to all of these other moments that I didn't necessarily connect the dots at that time and go, okay, um, didn't, I don't really want this, you know? And then, you know, similar moments like that for me, uh, where, you know, I got into great shape. I lost 20 pounds. I got shredded again. I got into some of the best shape I've ever been in my, in my life. And I didn't make any less money at work. I didn't spend less time at work. I just reprioritized my schedule. I stopped right. spending time doing stupid shit. Right. And I started to get more uh, disciplined. When I started to keep promises to myself, I started to treat other people with more respect and keep promises to them. I saw my wife start to change and react differently to me. I saw my friends start to change and react differently to me. And I thought back to all these moments of like, oh, well, I've been doing this that way the whole time and there was all this all this time there was just another way to do it there was a better way to try it and so for me it was an it was a series of events where i had you know little moments of like oh there's a better way to do this 
And what if I just start to implement this on a regular basis? What could come of my life? And the, 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 am I, what do I do if I'm not a bond trader piece was a really hard one to break down though. That was, that was a few years. I mean, I woke up in the, in in some of the best shape of my adult life, you know, had dealt with a lot of addictions, fixed my marriage a bunch. Um, you know, body was feeling good. And still I was like, well, I know I don't want to do this, but what do I do? Like, how do I, I got, I got 25 grand a month easy before I, you know, like before I start spending money, you know, of, of of expenses. So what do I do? And that one took a long time to break down so that the answer is, you know, I think is, is to start to be honest with yourself about what it is you really want. What do you, what moves the needle in your life? You know, and for a lot of people that might be, I got to go to, I got to play golf three days a week. So I, therefore I do need to be at the country club. Okay. That's fine. If that's a non-negotiable, cool. You know, but like, where are you, you know, spending your time, your energy, your love, what is really important to you? And then, you know, uh, car payments and mortgages and things like that, they can't be turned on a dime, but you can certainly start to take steps to change certain aspects of your life today. And you can have plans for, all right, well, when, you know, the Range Rover lease is up in 14 months, I don't need a $1,400 a month car payment. Yeah. I could get a Jeep Cherokee and I could have a $500 a month car payment and right. it's a pretty damn nice car too. And I'm not really a car guy. So what the hell was I doing with a Range Rover anyway? I got it because everybody else had a fucking Range Rover. So why did I get one too? You know? <laughs> so, and then you start to realize like, yeah. oh, I value like for me, right? Like I value playing golf with my friends and like, I'm going to go, I'm, 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 I just was talking to some friends back home earlier before we got on this call and we're going to Pebble beach, um, in January and it's a pretty epic trip and it ain't cheap. Right. I value that. I'm going to take away memories from that, from the rest of my life. Right now, a car I'm about to, I'm about to ditch my, my 2010 Audi truck. That's on its last legs. Right. It's been a great car. I haven't had a car payment in 10 years. I paid it off in two years. Like I don't, I'm not a car guy. I like, I don't need, I'm going to get like a GMC Acadia, you know, like I don't need to have a $1,200 a month car payment. I need a car to get me from point A to point B that can fit four, four to five mutant, you know, teenage boys in it and a bunch of little girls and like look decent. Okay. So think about what is really important for you in your life and start to make changes today, not tomorrow today. And that means the decision to make a decision in the future. So you can't change your car today, but you can say to yourself when this lease is up, this is what I'm looking for. You know, um, how much am I really using that second house? Could we Airbnb it a bit? Or could we maybe, could I decide to have a conversation with my wife about what our future plans for? Uh, for it are. So there's these little things, but everything ties back to ultimately for me, what can you do today about it right now? There's yeah. a, there's a, there's a, a, a lady named Mel Robbins. She oh, does love Mel, talks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't really even know what she does, except I know she's got this rule called the five second rule. And it's this concept of like, our, we are inundated by our own thoughts all day. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them, like maybe millions. Um, and we think about all, we tell ourselves we're going to do these things all the time. And she has this rule that changed her life. She said, five second rule. So if you think of something in your head, you got you got five seconds counting down five, four, three, two, one to go do something about it. Now that, that might mean a planning stage, or it might mean taking action, man, I'm sitting on the couch all day. I should really take a walk. Five, four, three, two, one, get yeah. your ass out the door, get your sneakers on, take a walk. Um, and so do something about it today. Do one thing. 
you do one thing about it, you will feel accomplished, right? There's no better solution to increase your confidence than to keep the promises that you make to yourself. Confidence is just your reputation with yourself. And so the more you're doing that, the more credibility you build. I built so much goddamn credibility, credibility with myself uh, in 2015 and 16 when I was changing my life that I had no other option than to walk around this unbelievably confident guy because I said I was going to do something and I did it. And then down the line sometime in the future, I saw a result. And I was then able to tie back the result to the actions that I took. And so, and that's the equation for me over and over and over again. Maybe there's a better way to do it, but for me, it's understanding what it is that I want in the future and ultimately tying back to what the actions that I need to take today. What does that person do that I want to become? What does that person do? I maybe I, maybe I can't do them all today, but I can do two or three of them. Yeah. I can do them relentlessly. I can keep that promise to myself over and over again. And we put our blinders on and we kind of magically wake up six months from now and we're in great shape, you know? <laughs> yeah. But all, all I'm doing is drinking water, taking walks, getting to the gym four days a week, eating real food, getting to bed on time and keeping promises of like, you know, not drinking on Tuesday and saving it for date night on Friday. Yeah. It's a pretty basic, you know, plan basic. right there. And it doesn't work after a week or a month, but it works after five years. Right. Yeah, it's consistency. That's how I run our, our entire program is based off of formulas and habits that we cut and habits that we form. It's exactly what you're talking about. And I agree with you, man. I, I, I'm going to write a book that's called something like life begins at 40 because I think at 39 and a half years old, I'll be, I'll be 40 in December at exactly 39 and a half years old. Everything that I thought I wanted, everything that I thought I liked, almost everything was not what I thought it was. Yeah. And, and just like you're talking about the cars, this house, like, I, I, I lost value for all of it. And I started thinking to myself, maybe I got these things to prove something to myself. Maybe I got these things to say I made it or to like feel accomplished or whatever it might be. And now I, I want to make a different decision. So that five second rule, I, I've heard of that before. And I did that. I, I, and I called my, um, um, I called my dad. I don't know, maybe like a month ago. And I said, I think it's time to sell this sports car that we've had for like 23 years. There's a lot of money in it. It's a liquid asset. Mm. And, uh, and I think the expensive luxury car that I bought, I think that's going to go too. And he was like, cool, what are you going to get? And I said, I think I'm just going to get a Jeep Wrangler. I'm just going to, yeah. you know, something that I can put the top down and just cruise around. And, and something I can put the kids in, we can go camping, it can go off-roading. I think that's more valuable because that's what I value is the time with the kids. Now, granted, they love riding around in that car. Yeah. And my dad bought that car when I was 16 and we still have it. And that's kind of cool. And I realized that the only reason I'm keeping it is so that when you come to my house, I go, Brian, I had this car. I, right. The, right. I drove this car at 16. Yeah. Not, not a car like it, that car. Yeah, that's it. And I and I had to be very honest about that. And with the cash that's sitting in it, it could go to serve the family a lot in a lot better ways that I actually value today. Yeah. And the thing that I think about is, will I regret selling the car? And the answer is, I don't know, because I haven't sold it. You don't know until you do it. Yeah. But, and, and yes, if I regret it, can I go buy another one? Yes. Can yeah. I go find that one and buy the one that my dad bought in 1999? No. Do I need that car? And the answer is no, because all I like is the sound of it and the mechanicalness of it, because it right. doesn't have any digital. Yeah. So other than that, man, like 
I, I, I absolutely love this conversation, dude. Love Same. this conversation. Same. Man, it's fire. There's like 50 more things that I wrote down that I wanted to ask you or talk <laughs> to you about. So maybe we need to, we need to set up a, a second meeting here and, and record some really cool shit about dialing into purpose and mission even tighter talking about like your journey is your journey. That's one of the things that helps me with the, with the regret from the past is that's, that's my, it's my journey. It's not, yeah. it's not your journey. It's not anybody. It's my journey. That's what I was designed for. So, yeah. um, dude, this has been great. Really great. Thank you, man. It's been, it's been, been amazing. I, I, I really, you know, let's, let's, let's do another one on yours and we're going to run it back and, and, and do it, do it on mine as well. So, uh, this has been super powerful for me. Uh, just thinking about, I mean, I mean, I'm even now thinking like, wow, I'm going through some of this stuff right now. I live, you know, you know, the town I live in, it's beautiful, but yeah. like, I'm in a 60 year old rental, you know? And like, oh. I came from a 4,000 plus square foot, brand new home in New Jersey with three floors and five bath, six bathrooms. I mean, like you could take a shit at once a day in a different <laughs> bathroom and I only have to double up once, you know? Right, right, right. Uh, and like, now I'm going through some of this stuff where I'm like, Oh man, you know, do do my do the people in town that are new here like they think that like I'm not this like like Wall Street like they you know pr presume I have some level of success. Oh, you retired from Wall Street and you're renting this piece of shit. You know, like like how successful <laughs> were you, bro? You know, so Dude, these are all stories that I'm still telling myself that I'm still going through where it's like you know, I need to go find that beautiful home that overlooks Terranea that, you know, look, overlooks the ocean that, you know, is, is an $8 million house. Like, yeah. Am I going to have that again in my life? Yes, I am. Yep. But does it mean anything really? You know, no, not really. It's just not unless you like it. Not, not unless, unless you like, yeah, it. exactly. Not unless I prescribe a value to it. And then why am I prescribing that value to it? You know, is it for yeah. you? Like you said, cause the sports car, is it for you? Is it for you to see when I invite you over to my house, you know, yeah. after you invite me to yours, or is it for me? You know, is it for me? So it's super important to understand what it is that really yeah. moves the needle in your life, what's important for you. And then just to go to, to go get those things for yourself, you know? 100%. Well, look, dude, we got to meet up. We're 20 miles from each other, super aligned. I can't wait sure. to come down and judge you on your 60 year old house <laughs> and your lack of bathrooms. <laughs> um, no, this, this has been great, man. So um, audience, you will be able to find everything about Brian, Brian's business, Brian's life, Brian's purpose, Brian's mission in the show notes, or go to men on purpose, men on purpose.net, get everything there. Remember, if you want to become irreplaceable, you have got to be on purpose. So take some kind of action today. Follow what Brian said, take some kind of action today in the next five seconds, make a decision for your life that you've been waiting on, that you've been holding on, that you've been regretting or resenting or, you know, putzing around on make a decision for your life today it will build and build and build into a great habit into a great result it's the formula for the future and um we love you we appreciate you listening we'll catch you on the next one